0: great good let's let's crack on uh, so ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 you'll recognize this from the last couple of weeks uh, i'm just going to finish this section and touch on a couple of new things it says this paul says this finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flame in darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Fantastic. So we've seen already if you've not caught up with the preaches that we've done already on this section you can find them on our website. Alid introduced this section I spoke about five of the six different arm- armors of God and uh, you can catch up on those if you have not but we find ourselves in a spiritual battle okay that's the reality of where we are maybe doesn't necessarily look like it in sunny-ish Gothenburg at the moment but the reality is as Christians we are in a spiritual battle we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but we wrestle against the rulers the authorities okay and because we are in a spiritual battle we need to learn to stand firm. And we talked about how we stand, that we we are a people who take up a position of standing firm because of the reality that we are in a spiritual battle. And we do that by putting on the armour of God. And notice it's not our hard work. It's not our armour. It's not the armour of Josh or or whatever. It's the armour of God. And so we put on his armour. And we, we saw about the... Um, the belt of truth, that we gird our loins, okay, it's literally the first thing that goes on is is is, is truth, we put that on, we, we put on the breastplate of righteousness, both what Christ has done for us, and actually how we live, we live righteously, the gospel of peace as shoes for our feet, the shield of faith, which isn't just a small personal shield actually it's this big shield that of course protects your body but you link in with others in the church and in the family and and together we are able to stand against the flaming darts of the evil one and then the helmet of salvation we have been saved we can rest assured you have received salvation because of Jesus because of what he has done and so we put on this helmet in the battle knowing that the victory is his that he has won the battle and so we have amazing confidence because we know that Jesus has won and today as I said we're gonna look at two final aspects the last thing that we kind of put on in the armor of God and then something else that we kind of put on all the time and I think as as I've been preparing this as I've been thinking about this message for quite some time now I just I think these these two aspects of of what sort of Paul finishes with the armour and and what he finishes really starts to end the book, the letter, with are two aspects that are so, so important in our walk as a Christian. And I really feel challenged personally to receive what Paul is saying here. And I also want to challenge you to receive what Paul is saying here. I believe that If we understand um, the importance, the vitality of these two things, I believe we're going to see God work in amazing ways. And the first thing we see is that the sword of the spirit. So he finishes the armor with put on hold, the sword of the spirit, which is which is the word of God. And we see the word of God a few times in Scripture. But here, here we are understanding in the context that he's actually talking about scripture okay take up the sword of the spirit take up the word of god we read elsewhere in the new testament that that all scripture is god-breathed it's all coming from god this is the word of god and what paul says is in the battle take up the sword take up the word of god I wonder what you think about when you think about the word of God, if we're being honest. okay, (laughs) If If we answer this question without speaking out loud, what do you think about? Perhaps it's something that you sometimes get on okay with, but more often than not, it's, to be honest, a little bit boring. Lists of names, can't really get my head around those. Some of those Old Testament books. I wonder what you think about when you think about the word of God. Well, the the New Testament, Paul here, he describes it as a sword. The word of God as a sword, and in fact, elsewhere in e- Hebrews, the the author in uh, chapter four, verse twelve says this: that the word of God is it's alive, it's it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged short sword. It it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Scripture is the sword of the Lord. It's so important that we understand this. This isn't just a nice bedtime routine or a a quiet 10 minutes on a Monday morning or or whenever. What, what, What we're looking at when we're looking at Scripture is something powerful something that is absolutely vital in the life that we find ourselves part of, in the battle that we find ourselves part of. You wouldn't imagine a Roman centurion, a soldier, kind of dressed up in everything, and then sort of walking into battle without the sword. I can imagine, not that I ever have been a centurion, that they definitely wouldn't forget the sword. Friends, it is vital in living life, so that we don't get knocked off our feet that we remember how vital and important scripture is john lennox a great mind incredibly clever thinker was recently interviewed and at the end of the interview he one final question got given to him what would you say to your grandkids and he answered he said Do you know what i wouldn't just say this to my grandkids i'd say this to everyone and he, he gave a, a long answer, but the, but the summary of it is this, read scripture, read scripture. And this is a guy who obviously reads a lot. Okay, He reads all sorts, but he says the priority in my life is as a believer is to read scripture. And this is a guy who's kind of getting towards the end of his life, if I may say that. And he's saying, what have I learnt? Read scripture. I think it's interesting, funnily enough, just as we started this meeting, a few of us were talking about telling kids and trying to make them understand, but they don't really understand things until they experience it themselves. I want to encourage us, rather than waiting to experience the importance of reading scripture when we're old, let's get this when we're young, whatever age this is coming to now, let's get this, let's understand this, look right today, let's understand the importance, Of reading scripture, I don't want to us to get to our 80th birthday or whatever and think, "Oh, do you know what? Really should have started reading scripture a lot earlier." Myself, I've been part of church, I guess, all my life, but when I was about 20, I came back to church. So about 15 years, I've been kind of really part of church, and now obviously part of church leadership. And I want to be open and honest to you guys, and it. It's something that I struggle with, reading scripture. It doesn't just automatically come to me. What book shall I read? How shall I read it? Should I jump around a little bit? Should I skip? How long should I do it? Should I do it in the mornings? Should I do it in the afternoons? And it's a challenge for me. And what can happen with challenges is well, we just kind of put it down and perhaps read something else that's easy for us or, or don't read anything at all. I want to encourage you to take the challenge and think about how best reading scripture will serve you, what the best way will be for you. We we, we just simply must find ways that work for us in reading scripture. It's absolutely vital. And Jesus, as he was in the desert, we've spoken about this before in the wilderness, that he used scripture to defend himself against the enemy. It is written. It is written. He defended himself through the word of God. Friends, we need to do the same. And to be able to do that, we need to read scripture. So take up your sword, take up on your own, take it up with your friends, take it up uh, with the people who you live with. If you live with people, let's take it up as a church together. But but let's make sure that we take it up. The second thing we find Paul talk about here is prayer. Okay, so it's scripture and it's prayer and prayer isn't part of the armour. And in mentioning it at the end, it's almost as if Paul is saying with everything you do, put prayer on as well. And so we see Paul, he, he prays a lot. It's something that I've noticed over the last couple of months when I've been reading different letters of Paul. He's a guy who prays a lot. Like, as in, he's writing a letter, and then he prays. And he continues to write, and he prays. He's a guy who prays. Jesus prays. It's a big priority. He he was with the Father. He was going back to the Father. We're talking about eternal time. We're talking about out of time. We're talking about crazy long time. Yet in his short time on earth, his 30 odd years, you think, okay, well, you've been with the Father a lot. You're going back to the Father. Perhaps don't speak so much to the Father. Speak more to people who you are with. Actually, what Jesus does all the time is he just goes away up a mountain in a boat behind a door and he prays. Even after feeding the 5000, when there's this incredible momentum, you can imagine everyone looking at him thinking, wow. What does he do? Is that his moment to sort of continue with the momentum? And as a church leader, I'm thinking, right Jesus, you've got momentum, go for it, go for it, go for it. What he does is he just withdraws and he goes up a mountain and he speaks to his father. This is a guy. this is Jesus we're talking about. He lives a life of prayer. And we read this amazing quote uh, from Martin Luther, who says this, to be a Christian, without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Do you see the importance of prayer in these people's lives? Do you see the priority of prayer in these people's lives? Let's read that again, Martin Luther. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing let's just let that sink in you need to breathe to stay alive what Martin Luther was saying is to be a Christian you need to pray it's not possible without prayer these Jesus Paul Martin Luther there's many more we could obviously mention that the guys who prayed and there's two things that we really want to want to look at in this section is is how we pray, and who we can pray for. And Paul does this by mentioning four alls. Okay? And so firstly, he mentions pray at all times. That's a challenging first sentence that we're looking at. All times. This isn't just part-time, once a week, church prayer meeting, praying at all times and again we we see this in Paul's writing so if we were to ask the question to Paul Paul how often do you pray his answer is clear all the time I pray all the time and it's not just this isn't just an Ephesians 6 thing in the battle but actually this is this is a Thessalonians thing one and two pray for us pray for us Pray unceasingly. It's a Colossians thing. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Paul isn't talking about praying just once a week or before a meal or before bed. Paul is talking about a lifestyle of prayer. It's all the time. We read this black and white. Paul says pray continually, steadfastly, all the time. And I want to gently... Ask you a challenging question: How often do you pray? Do you do you see the priority in Paul's life to pray? Friends, we've got to take these texts at face value. We don't need to explain it away. Well, we're busy, training a lot, we're working a lot, got kids. We've got to say: How does this truth? shape our lives and work around it and prioritise. So how often do we pray? And again, this is, that hold. I want to hold my hand up and say, I've got so much to learn here. I'm just being really challenged by Paul's priority. And what I want to do is gently challenge you. Do you see the priority that Paul has on prayer? Do you kind of go work, family life, hobby, uh, house renovations, social media, and then prayer if there's time? If you do, I wanna challenge you to flip the tables. I wanna challenge you in everything you do, approach it with prayer. As we put on the armor, put it on with prayer. As we go to work, go in prayer. As As you're about to teach in a lesson, Go around the classroom praying for that classroom. As, as you go out on a run, speak to God rather than just hooking into the latest podcast. Let's be a people who pray. He then goes on to say to pray with all prayer and all supplication. And there's many different ways to pray and we're not going to look into it. But here supplication is simply asking God for things. We hear that in the Lord's prayer, give us today our daily bread. That's a prayer of supplication. And so we humbly come before God and we say, father give us today our daily bread we then see with with all perseverance and i love this that there's this real stubbornness to prayer there's a stubborn attitude to prayer jesus tells his story of the widow who, who goes to a judge and, and she keeps on going to him, the judge is like, no, I'm not gonna answer until eventually the judge says, it, I am going to answer. And the reason is that the widow just keeps on going back to this judge. And he talks about that in the, in the context of prayers, keep on knocking, knock and the door will be opened, ask and you will receive. We have a, a seven-year-old a, a flat coated retriever dog called Harvey and whenever I cut up an apple Every time without fail, he's, he's like, I mean, for those of you that have met him, he, he doesn't seem like he's the, sh- the, the smartest dog out there. I can literally take an apple just out of a fruit bowl and put it on a chopping board, make no noise. And he's next to me. He's, he's a genius. He just chooses when to turn it on and off. But when I'm cutting up this apple, he will just stand there and I'll leave the core, and he knows he's not allowed it. And I'll leave the core, and I'll go and give the apple to Freddie or whatever. I can come back, literally, this is not an exaggeration, 15 minutes later, and Harvey's just in this position, like there's a bit of a a puddle of drool on the floor. He's not moved. He's so, um, he he just perseveres. It's perseverance. And I, I believe God wants to give us that attitude towards prayer. Persevere. We have been praying for years for salvation. Ever, since day one of the church plan, we've been a people who have prayed for others to know the gospel, for others to see salvation, to receive salvation. We have seen that, but we want so much more. And we're going to persevere, and we're going to persevere. and we're going to persevere. We're going to keep on knocking. And notice the context of this. This is perseverance within the battle. This isn't prayer just before bed. And like, as you're kind of getting a bit sleepy and cozy, have a short prayer. Now there's a battle cry prayer here. And Nina's prophetic word, which she shared with us about a year ago, about being a people who worship. And as we worship, more people join us and join us. And there's this battle cry that comes out from our lips. Prayer is a battle cry. It's, a per- it, it's persevering through the battle. It's keep on coming up. No, you said, God, you said, you said, you said let's be a people who persevere in prayer and then finally we see who we can pray for and the answer is all the saints friends we're we're called to pray for all the saints I think we can often focus on praying for the non-believer to know Jesus and I think that's really helpful really good to do and really helpful to do an important, but I think it's a lot easier to build an argument from the Bible for praying for the people who are going to the non-believers. Pray for all the saints. Again, Paul says in one Thessalonians, two Thessalonians, pray for us, pray for us. In Colossians, he says the same. He He says, pray that God will open a door. As the shield of faith that we looked at protects our brothers and sisters, I believe also we are to be a people who who pray for our brothers and sisters and I want to just practically challenge you in how to do that I myself you can maybe see actually there I've got a whiteboard and it's got everyone's name in from church both adults and kids from the smallest to the biggest and I, I just look at it and pray for people and maybe not everyone has a whiteboard but I wanna encourage you, perhaps there's a good way to make sure that we're praying for each other. Write down people's names, those that you remember. Maybe you don't know everyone, just write down who you know. Okay, and we can, of course, broaden it right out to Christian brother and sisters all over the world. Let's be a people who pray for each other. And we noticed what we pray for here. The words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel let's pray for our brothers and sisters in fact i'm going to pray right now apologies but let's pray father god i pray for every member of good lord i pray for those that aren't part of good flesh but are with us this morning Lord, i pray that they will boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel lord jesus we love you we thank you that you came to earth boldly we thank you that you lived a life of boldness Thank you that we see people like Paul who lived a life of incredible boldness. Holy Spirit, I pray may you fill us with boldness. Lord, may we be a people who are able to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Lord Jesus, for your name's sake. Amen. Friends, we pray for each other. Boldly proclaim the gospel. Absolutely. Should we pray for jobs and and accommodation and all that stuff? Absolutely. And health? Absolutely. For sure. But what we see here is to boldly pray, to pray boldly that people will proclaim the gospel. So as we look to round up this subject on prayer, it's good to notice what the early church did. And you can imagine 2000 years ago in Jerusalem in a small room, Jesus has been with them for some time, both. First time and the second time he came down his with them for 40 days and then it's gone. And and he tells them to wait. And we read in Acts 2:14 what they did. And it says this, they prayed constantly. Even though Jesus was gone, they still relied on him. They still looked to him. They didn't think, right, it's time to puff out the chest and kind of get on with it ourselves now. They said, Jesus, this is big. What can we do? They probably looked at each other and thought, like what, like what can we do? I remember thinking exactly the same when it was myself, Nina and Becky in a small room and we knew no one in Gothenburg. What did we do? And so we prayed. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Arthur Wallace said this, at the heart of every revival is the spirit of prayer. Friends, if we are serious about this city, if we are, serious about the call of god on our lives if we're serious about revival then we need to get on our knees in prayer this is a battle not against flesh and blood but against the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places the spiritual beings and how do we approach the battle we go to the one who won we go to the one who is in all authority on our knees say Jesus it's all about you so as we finish today gonna finish by reading the last bit of Ephesians and we're gonna end our series here and so let's read together Ephesians chapter 6 verse 21 to the end so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing tichius The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul finishes where he starts. Grace and peace to those who love jesus bookended grace and peace grace and peace friends grace and peace let's receive god's grace let's receive his pace his peace as we live together i'm going to pray and then emily and verity will take back over father